Welcome to Global Policy Next Generation podcast. I'm Amna Kaleem, and in this week's podcast, we're going to look at the impact of Brexit on public health. Now, health did feature prominently in the Brexit campaign with the Leave campaign's famous slogan promising more money to fund the health service plastered all over their bus. However, there has been little reflection on the wider public health debate dealing with air pollution, obesity, food production and non-communicable diseases, either during the referendum or at present. In April, the then Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt promised that Britain will always be a world leader in public health. However, by October, his successor Matt Hancock was finalising plans to spend tens of millions of pounds to stockpile medicines. The government has given assurances that the laws which protect the public health issues such as air quality, use of tobacco, alcohol, fruit production and medicines will be translated into British law. However, the uncertainty surrounding Brexit not only puts these assurances in jeopardy, but also creates new challenges which will negatively impact public health. As the speculation over the Brexit deal and the government's future dominates news agendas, we will take a step back and discuss the challenges Brexit poses to public health issues with Professor David Hunter at the Institute of Health and Society at Newcastle University. I started by asking Professor Hunter about the impact of Brexit on our public health policy. Public health is a very broad area and my, my uh, concern with Brexit and public health is the issue of uh, people's uh, sense of well-being, health status, the determinants of health, uh, what keeps people uh, healthy in a location. Uh, health care is part of that but uh, there are many other factors that impact on people's health, education, transport, work, uh, leisure. Uh, housing, all of these are going to be affected uh, by Brexit and arguably affected in uh, negative ways that will uh, uh, impair people's health. Public health has already lowered down the agenda of uh, government's concerns and given that government is completely occupied and uh, uh, taken up uh, in all its capacity by Brexit, uh, my concern would be that public health gets even less attention going forward at a time when it needs it more and more from government because some of the negative effects of Brexit are going to affect the public's health directly. Do you think uh, this concern about public health gets lost in the wider discourse on Brexit because we've had the figure on the bus for NHS and we talk the anti-Brexit camp talks about migration and Absolutely. the need for recruitment but this, this concern for public health does not make it into the wider debate? No, and I understand uh, the reasons uh, for the focus on health care and the health, the health service because the workforce issues are really important. We have 40,000 uh, nurses uh, uh, vacancies. We have uh, problems with recruiting doctors and clinical specialties. So I understand all that. And the public health aspects are, are somehow less, um, less urgent, less visible. Uh, less immediately obvious, but uh, given that the North in particular suffers from uh, poor health, um, Brexit can only uh, intensify those problems and make it more and more difficult to tackle them. We know what needs to be done, uh, there's plenty of analysis and plenty of solutions, but it requires government action and leadership, and that's not coming at this time because they're completely occupied and preoccupied and fixated on Brexit. Some people have said that Brexit will be a disruption that could open up opportunities. So if we were to be a bit optimistic mm. and think that this is a disruption, mm. do you think it could potentially reshape our approach to public health policy? 
It could, it could. I mean, at the moment, we're the third worst country in Europe for obesity. We could adopt all kinds of new policies that tackle obesity outside the EU. Um, we could improve um, air quality. Air quality is actually something Europe's done quite a lot about. The UK is not a very good um, uh, responder to some of that um, legislation but uh, or directives from the EU. But we could take air quality more seriously, air pollution. Uh, we could take um, the whole issue of agriculture and food more seriously and, uh, and adopt a public health perspective on that. We could do lots of things that would actually change the status given to public health in the current discourse. The concern, I think, is that we have a political system or a government at the present time that doesn't really engage with any of these issues. And my worry would be that post-Brexit, unless there's some change in our own political system and our own sense of priorities, that these issues are going to be missed opportunities. You talked about food production. Could could you expand a bit on how food production can pose a public health challenge after Brexit? I think it's in the nature of the kind of foods that we produce. That at the moment uh, we uh, import most of our food. We don't um, uh, grow enough of our food to, to uh, serve our own population. But we could do more to invest in uh, food production of a nature that would uh, provide uh, healthy food, move away from meat and uh, animals and much more towards uh, plants and vegetarian options. There are things that could be done through restructuring our agricultural policy quite fundamentally. There's nothing to stop the government doing that. Uh, and in doing that, it would actually improve people's health. Staying on with the theme of Brexit, um, you have talked about putting NHS in trade agreements or putting that at the heart of our future Mm. trade policy. Now, as we open up our trade policy and try to do deals all over the world, do you think that could actually pose a risk to NHS? Because as we see with the now defunct TTIP, opening NHS up to competition would have been one of the disadvantages. So do you think as we become more global in trade, we could put NHS at risk? Um, That is a risk. It needn't be. You could have a trade agreement that excludes the NHS as a public service from that kind of uh, marketization or privatization risk. Um, So there's nothing inherently impossible about an international trade agreement that would mean the end of the NHS. Again, it's a political issue. It's for government to decide whether the NHS and other public services are included within a TTIP type arrangement or whether they're excluded. Um, But you could have an international trade agreement that excludes it. So again, it's back to the issue of um, what kind of government do we have? What kind of political system do we want? What kind of party is in in government? And what are they um, seeking to achieve for their populations? That brings us to the final question Mm -hmm. of political will. Do you think that if we have a change of government or a different ideological approach, we have a better chance of addressing the issue and many challenges of public health policy making? Potentially, yes. I think uh, we uh, have a government at the moment that's incredibly uh, dysfunctional and and, and just isn't delivering for for people or for uh, the communities. And uh, it may be that Brexit is uh, a contributor to that, but uh, it's not the sole reason. Uh, So I do think a change of government could offer new opportunities. Uh, If one's optimistic, if one's pessimistic, it may be that the present government we have is actually replaced by an even worse government. And that would be my worry (laughs) going forward. That's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Global Policy Next Generation podcast. If you would like to hear more from us, please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is GP underscore Next Gen. If you would like to feature on our podcast or know someone who might be interested, please send us an email on next.generation at global-policy.com. Thank you and goodbye.